Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The views and opinions expressed on the following program are those of the host and guests and do not necessarily represent those of any organization, including one generation away. America is free. Freedom of speech. Freedom of religion. Freedom of enterprise. And freedom is special and rare. This is Liberty Nation with Mark Angelides, a production of LibertyNation.com, going after what the politicians really mean and making it all clear for your freedom and your liberty. Liberty Nation with Mark Angelides. The Supreme Court sends shockwaves through America. Many are thrilled and others, well, not so much. The left is up in arms about these two decisions from the Supreme Court. Roe v. Wade is overturned with abortion laws going back to the states and gun rights just got a major boost. But what does it all mean when you strip away the spin and the salt? Well, that's what we're going to find out today. Welcome back to Liberty Nation Radio here on the Radio America Network. I'm your host, Mark Angelides. We have a special Supreme Court edition for you today where we talk gun rights and abortion in the light of the recent SCOTUS opinions. We'll be hammering out the myth that a recession is not inevitable and talking wokeism in the U.S. military. This show is proudly sponsored by LibertyNation.com, where you can access podcasts, breaking news, analysis, and a range of biting brilliant shows to whet your appetite for freedom and your fondness for the great American Constitution. The Supreme Court has not one but two landmark rulings this week, one on the Second Amendment rights and the other on abortion that overturns Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey. Now, we're having a special Liberty Nation extended Talking Liberty segment with Liberty Nation's legal affairs editor, constitutional attorney, man about town, and host of the excellent Uprising podcast, Mr. Scott DiCosenza, Esquire. Now, I do feel it's important to add that Esquire on the end here. Scott, just so everybody knows that you know what you're talking about, even if they don't know that I know that I know what I'm talking about, if indeed I do. Scott, how are you? I've got a license to talk about it in any case. So whether I know it or not, uh, we'll leave it to the uh, viewer and listener to decide. Well, now, was that a may issue license or a shall issue license, Scott? I think that's <laughs> yeah, going to be a very important right. question for us today. So That's a may issue. That's a may <laughs> issue. So, well, Scott, this, this really has been a, a huge week, legally speaking, and the dust has yet to settle. Uh, and I want to talk both cases, abortion and gun rights. But first, I want your opinion on something. Uh, President Trump, despite only serving one term, at, at least so far, only one term, he touts <laughs> right, yeah. yeah, his record quite often. No, let's not say it's in a, in a boastful style, but uh, in certainly a, a rambunctious style of uh, all the things that he achieved whilst in office. Now, uh, many of those things Joe Biden has sought to roll back since taking over. Um, but I think that a lot of people agree that one of the most significant thing that he did, things that he did was appoint three Supreme Court justices and that this will go down in history as his most significant achievement in terms of the legacy that those justices have helped effectuate. What are your thoughts? Well, this week, that's a, that's a great argument to make, Mark. Uh, before this week, it was a maybe. Um, and the other thing to consider, too, is that the justices that uh, – uh, President Trump nominated successfully to the court are young. 
So we're going to have, you know, uh, we have every reason to believe that we'll get 20 plus years more of those three justices and their rulings. Uh, so, yes, uh, that that does seem to be a powerful uh, argument to make that President Trump's uh, nominations to the court have made the difference. Now, you know, we could argue about whether all those uh, nominations are are sort of pro liberty uh, to the maximum extent they could be. I know that you know I would like to quibble with with some of those picks, but uh, but not not huge. everybody can be a justice, Clarence Thomas. Yeah. The I'm funny thing about that argument, justice, by, the by the way, way. <laughs> would you say? A happy birthday to yeah, Justice Yeah, he Clarence issued, Thomas. so for people who don't know, uh, it was uh, Justice Thomas' birthday on uh, Thursday when the gun case came down. Um, but think about Trump's achievements in that regard, though, is, you know, what did he do to, to generate those, <laughs> to the, those achievements, I would suggest? You know, th- there's something to, to be said for that he, you know, it happened to him rather than he did. But yeah, in any I, case, uh, well, to the extent that we get justices that, support individual rights like in the gun case. I think it's a great thing. Yeah, I think one of the things that most people are uh, would agree with is that the idea of actually naming who you'll pick for the Supreme Court is a, a step in the right direction for any president of any party, regardless of their leanings, because then people yeah. know who's going to implement the law of the land over the next 20, 30 years. So let's start with Dobbs v. Jackson. Let me, let me just before we gun. leave that part of the if, sure. if, if, if I might, before we leave that part of the uh, the program, I would just like to say, you know, there were I can't even remember how many cases came down this week from the from the court. Uh, I haven't even gotten through all of the the big ones, much less the small it ones. And I think there is plenty of room to criticize some of these justices from the the, the pro liberty perspective, uh, including justice, uh, including uh, President Trump's appointments. It's just that they're not the headline cases uh, for this week or this term. I think so. Okay, so let's get to Dobbs versus Jackson's Woman Health. Now, this has removed or, or struck down Roe v. Wade, um, which has been uh, fairly longstanding, it's 50 years uh, as the law of the land. But I'm seeing almost a magic trick in the fourth estate. Uh, it's, it's almost like an illusion. Uh, and they're saying that this has essentially ended abortion in America. But that's just not true, is it, Scott? No, what it does is it, it turns abortion law over to the states. And it says that states may basically what Roe did was Roe prohibited states from enforcing their abortion restrictions, uh, especially in including um, early restrictions on abortions early in the in, in a term of pregnancy, that is to say. And what this case stands for is the notion that states may indeed regulate abortions pre viability. And so that's what it means when they say Roe is overturned. It's not like Roe gave people the right to have an abortion. And then this uh, Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health takes away that, right? All it does is it says it returns the status of abortion law in America to pre-Roe jurisprudence, which is to say states may enact certain regulations against abortions, including those early in a pregnancy. Now, I know there are a number of states that have trigger laws in place uh, or trigger regulations in place. So if if and when Roe is overturned, which it obviously was on Friday, uh, these laws now take effect. Now, are they with immediate effect? Well, it, it depends on the law. It seems like some of them, uh, yes. Uh, I, you know, tracking down exactly what the right number of, of these is, I've tried to look at some other reporting on it. It's hard to, to say. I've seen 22 passed around as the number of states that have this. But in any case, uh, a, a high number of them do. And for those states, 
the ones that have the, the strongest trigger laws, then yes, as of this moment, uh, we're speaking abortions in, in those states are illegal. Okay. What really stood out to you about this opinion? Was there anything that piqued your legal interest? You know, this is so strange of a case, Mark, because of the leak uh, that I can't even sort of filter it through my standard analysis. You know, it just it's a one off. Um, And this is a feature that probably, you know, is a bit inside baseball. But the liberals co-authored their dissent, which is to say that Justices Breyer, Kagan and Sotomayor didn't one of them didn't write an opinion like in the gun case, Justice Breyer wrote a dissent and Justices Kagan and Sotomayor signed on to that dissent. But in this case, they all authored it together. Uh, and it was, I think, over 100 pages and over 100 pages as well for the the opinion of the court. So lengthy, uh, exhaustive, you might say, opinions laying out their arguments, why and uh, and a bit of an oddity in the uh, in the form of the dissents. Now, I'm wondering, there's obviously a lot of pushback to this decision, but you and I have spoken about this before. Roe v. Wade was was bad law, whether you agree, whether you're from the pro-choice or the pro-life side. It, Roe v. Wade just wasn't good law, and so it did need something, didn't it? It needed something to move it in one direction way, or the other. I want to just correct you and say, when you say good law, what, we, what would I mean, and I think you mean when you say it in agreement, it was a horrible opinion, the basis for the ruling. Yes was was dreck basically it was like we want the out it, it seemed like a textbook case of outcome based jurisprudence mm-hmm. which is to say we prefer this outcome that states can't regulate early term abortion so well, how do we get there well let's draw a circuitous path through the the weeds of constitutional jurisprudence to get there and that's why you and i, I think both denigrate that decision if not the outcome in it now uh, one final question on this topic scott because of how that opinion was drafted originally with roe v wade wasn't it almost inevitable that this day was coming? No, Mark, I don't think it was inevitable. I, I wish to say that it would be because I prefer a jurisprudence that that honors the the plain language of the Constitution, to be sure. That's you know why we're here at Liberty Nation doing what we do. But uh, but it's not inevitable. It wasn't inevitable. It took, uh, you know, it, it took what we had, which is the uh, uh, retirement and death of certain justices and the appointments of others uh, by uh um, by some measure of luck that, that, you know, things have sort of aligned themselves to, to get to this result. Okay. Um, we're going to take a short break here on Liberty Nation Radio. We'll be back with Scott DeCosenta talking Second Amendment victory in just a moment. For your freedom and your liberty. Liberty Nation with Mark Angelides. And we're back talking with Scott Casenza on the two big Supreme Court cases that have dropped this week. We've covered abortion and now it's all about guns. So, Scott, New York rifle and pistol versus Bruin. Is this as big a verdict as I think it is? Was there a gun? Was there a gun case that came out this week? Yeah, apparently there was something to do with guns. It could have been pop guns. I, I don't know. This is the the ruling I've been waiting my whole life for. It feels like, <laughs> um, I, and I'm only half kidding. Uh, I can't tell you how often uh, in the uh, the previous decades of my talking about gun rights that so many uh, who are hostile to gun rights just throw out. Well, the Supreme Court's never said. Well, the Supreme Court has never said this and the other. And now between Heller and McDonald and New York State Rifle and Pistol, we have the the sort of uh, 
the triumvirate there that 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 established firmly Americans' individual rights to keep and yes, bear arms, which doesn't mean taking it from your kitchen to the to the living room, but uh, out and about. Okay, so this this impacts uh, only a handful of states really t- at the moment, which are states I believe that. Uh, ask for an undue burden in terms of if you want to apply for a concealed carry permit or a carry permit that you have to jump through hoops and then they may issue or shall issue. And so the state's concerned here, the ones that are may issue. So they've had a lot of discretion on whether to, to grant somebody the right to basically uh, have their rights respected. So what's going to happen in this handful of states? Well, while it is just a handful of states, I think it's six plus D.C. and uh, Puerto Rico is the big non-state place as well that's covered. Uh, It's also kind of not correct to say that it's a a small portion of society. I think 25 percent is the last number I saw of Americans live in one of these jurisdictions. The monsters of California and uh, uh, New York, of course, accounting for the lion's share of that. So this will affect uh, 25% of Americans, and it means that they will be able to get a gun license just like getting a driver's license to to carry, uh, a gun license to carry. So if they meet, you know, the restrictions, there may be uh, character and fitness requirements, there may be training requirements, uh, but what they won't have to do is after meeting those requirements, then stand in front of a uh, bureaucrat who tells them, yeah, but still, we don't like the idea of you carrying a gun anyway, so you can't have one. So here's the thing that's, that's really struck out to me. There's so many people on, and I know social media is not the real world, but <laughs> right. it does echo within the fourth estate. They're talking about how th- this is terrible because it's, it's a rule for white people. Uh, and this blew me away. Uh, because what it does, as far as I can see, is it actually removes any chance of discrimination. Now, whether that's discrimination based on race, <clears throat> sexuality, gender, it removes the possibility that somebody can be discriminated against. Is that about right? Yes, I think that is right. Uh, it, it's the, it's part of the grand hypocrisy, I think, of so many uh, on the left, Mark. You know, one of the things that's interesting about this these pocket of states, these these states that have this may issue rule, may issue as a law. And, and just for people who understand, that is uh, uh, juxtaposed to shall issue. And so the way it works is if you meet the requirements in a shall issue state, you shall get the license. If you meet the requirements in a may issue state, you may get it. There's there's no right or guarantee to it. And that's, of course, you have to smile and cross your fingers. Yes. And it's good to be, you know, have a campaign contribution in the right spot or be famous or otherwise have, uh, you know, something that the the people in power want so that you can get uh, the license or or the permit. And that's uh, no longer the case. But what I was going to say is they only exist in lockdown Democrat controlled jurisdictions. So it's so interesting when we see, I think, you know, uh, with the recent gun legislation that that passed by the Senate and and just being in the news constantly, there's this, especially from the fourth estate, there's this thing in the air where like most people, reasonable people think that gun control should be greater. But in places where there's any competition at all for leadership, political leadership, we have quote unquote liberal, which is to say higher access for for gun carry only in places where there's no competition for political leadership by party 
in California, in Hawaii, in New York, in New Jersey. All these places are the places in Maryland with May issue laws. Okay, and they have no credible threat from the legislature of being, you know, near 50 50 or or occasionally uh, getting uh, any kind of Republican, um, you know, leadership. So when people, uh, you know, are sort of represented by uh, by more than one party and it's other than the Democrat Party, we get carry laws. Uh, And for all those that are you know, just waiting for chaos to descend. You know, most of the country does have these laws in place and has for some time. It's going to be okay. Now, I, I am wondering about the states that already have carry laws in place. Does this mean, is there any change there or is it just strengthening the position that should there be, for example, should there be a swing in, in a red state to a blue state, for example? Does this mean that even if there becomes blue state leadership, that this can't be rolled back because it's an across the board, federal, constitutional. Is that what it means? Yes, Mark. I think that's a very perceptive uh, uh, point that you're uh, honing in on there. I actually had a uh, discussion, Mark, with a very pro-gun person right after the decision came out. And and they said to me, and I live in Virginia, well, it doesn't affect you. You already have a shall issue carry in Virginia. And yes, I, we do have shall issue carry in Virginia by sufferance of the people that are currently in political office. And if they change a little bit, um, they may revoke it. So uh, now that can't happen without a, a different uh, Supreme Court ruling that would overturn New York State Rifle and Pistol, which could come at some point, but certainly not, uh, not in the near term. Uh, one final question for you, Scott. Uh, and we did discuss this in a, an article that we put together on libertynation.com. Is this what I think it is? Is it a new dawn for gun rights in America? As in, will uh, people be less likely to try and infringe the right to keep and bear arms based on this ruling? I said to you in response that I keep pinching myself uh, because it seems like a dream. And uh, the answer to your question is yes. It, it, this mark uh, stands not just for the uh, striking down of May issue carry laws, but also the establishment of a stricter review scheme for uh, laws that infringe on uh, or impact the Second Amendment. So what a district court or a circuit court of appeals may have let go uh, last week in terms of a, a gun restriction that has nothing to do with carry it's going to get uh, a tougher look now. And I suspect that there are many, many lawyers throughout the country sharpening their pencils and writing their, uh, their briefs to, uh, to sue and get all sorts of gun laws overturned. We're going to see uh, in the next few years a long line of, uh, of litigation. And uh, I suspect it's all going to trend towards the, uh, towards the pro-gun side, the pro-liberty side. So a full lawyer employment act, but uh, one that actually supports the Constitution. Scott DeCosenza, thank you ever so much for joining us. Thank you, Mark. You're listening to Liberty Nation Radio, heard across the Radio America network from our flagship station in the nation's capital, WWRC in Washington, D.C. Later in the show, we talk America's military pushes the woke agenda. But up next, after this short break, it's all about Biden's recession denials. Don't go anywhere. America is free. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of enterprise. 
and freedom is special and rare. This is Liberty Nation with Mark Angelides, a production of LibertyNation.com, going after what the politicians really mean and making it all clear for your freedom and your liberty. Liberty Nation with Mark Angelides. With barely a break in between, we've gone from worrying about inflation to worrying about a possible recession. Joe Biden says it's not going to happen, but just about everyone else thinks it's almost inevitable. To figure out the facts, we're joined by economist and author and host of Swamponomics TV, a great show you should all go and watch on LibertyNation.com, Mr. Andrew Moran. Welcome back to the show, Andrew. Thank you for having me. So first, we were told that inflation, it wasn't going to happen. Then it may happen. Then it would happen, but it'd be transitory. Uh, and now we're knees deep in inflation. Uh, and now we seem to be following this same denial-ridden trajectory with a potential recession. Give me the basics, Andrew. Is it going to happen or not? Well, Joe Biden, with his the Biden beach talk, he said the other day that he spoke to Larry Summers and the former Treasury Secretary, and he said that, oh, recession's not going to happen. But if you listen to Larry Summers for last month, he's been saying nothing but that the recession mm. is going to happen within the next two years. So the, base, the increasing baseline scenario for most of Wall Street, and you can see the way the markets are reacting right now, is that a recession is going to happen. It's inevitable right now, especially because the Federal Reserve, I mean, they can't, they can't navigate a soft landing. It's going to be, it's going to be a hard crash. And then if you don't want to listen to any analysts, you look at the data. Retail sales contracted in May. Consumer sentiments collapsed into the contraction territory. Industrial production had a negative 0.2% expand uh, contraction. Uh, uh, manufacturing output was 0.1% in the other month. So inflation is sky high. So uh, uh, everything in the economy right now is suggesting that a recession is going to happen. A lot of people are trying to pitch this as it's going to be a soft landing recession if it does happen, and people will be cushioned from the recession because of the COVID-era savings that they built up. Now, I, I hear about this all the time, that people are flush with cash from the COVID time, but I can't get my head around that. It, surely that any of the savings that people may have had, and let's be fair, the average guy and gal didn't get any richer during that period, uh, unless you they happen to own Amazon. They didn't get any richer. So surely those savings have been wiped out by inflation, by gas costs, by rent costs, by everything except, I believe it's men's trousers going up in price. Yeah, well, there's, okay, there's a few things to point out here in, in, your, in your question. The first is that, you know, the, the debate is how hard the recession is going to be, how long it's going to happen, and then when, when, is it, when is it going to occur? The second point is that it's hard to determine precisely how much consumers have saved. Some estimates say $2.4 trillion, others say $4.8 trillion. Um, but yeah, I guess you have to look at all the, all the data to find out what's going on with consumers and their bank accounts. You know, like, I said, like I said previously, the personal savings rates collapsed with 4.4%, credit growth has absolutely, you know, skyrocketed. Uh, I mean, you know, retail sales are down. So people are, are people are staying home. There was a great report the other day from uh, McKinsey, I believe, and it found that everyone is just buying goods as opposed to buying services and experiences. So I think that's also important to point out. Another thing too, is that the, the third point here is that even if, you know, people had this money in their bank account, they still have this money in their bank account, their, 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 their savings are still being wiped out figuratively because of the, of the high inflation. The high inflation is eliminating purchasing power. So if, you know, mom and pop have, you know, let's say $5,000 in a bank or $10,000 accumulated during the pandemic, you know, that's, that's going to be worth nothing in the next couple of years because of how inflation is. We talk about uh, how deep the recession will be, how long it will be. But I think one of the questions everybody wants to know is 
how will it impact the average American? I mean, how will this impact their work, their life, their savings, their portfolios? I mean, obviously, 50% of Americans have a portfolio of some description, their 401ks and things like that. How will it impact your average American? Well, I think the old saying is uh, uh, it's a recession if your neighbor loses his job, but it's a depression if you lose your job. So this recession, it's, it's going to be challenging to determine or forecast or even navigate because you have to see, will, you know, will the jobs market collapse? Inflation is still going to be skyrocketing. Interest rates are, 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 are higher. So therefore, the lower, lower and middle income households, they have to contend with soaring prices, but also soaring borrowing costs. So there, And then, of course, you know, to tie back to the previous point, about the stock market. A lot of people are tied up in the stock market. So the stock market's collapsing because of, of, of recession fears. So the, the consumers are going to be bombarded in many different fronts, high inflation, high rates, collapsing stock market. Will house, will the real estate market crash too? That's another concern a lot of people have. So this is going to be a, a terrible recession that a lot of people are going through because the thing with the recessions too is that the government has always bailed out, You know, whether it's companies, the people, whatever the case, they always have to intervene. And But do they have enough firing power to intervene yet again, whether it's the Fed, whether it's Washington? Because they, they fired Presco, all the motherboard bombs. In the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but of course, if the, the government does intervene, it's, it's going to have to to be based on newly created money, which will just increase the inflationary pressure anyway, won't it? Yeah, yeah. So what's funny about that is that you know before the Fed even started tightening, before it launched its tightening cycle, the fe- the Fed funds rate futures market was already penciling in that the Fed was going to slash interest rates in 2024. Oh, excuse me, that by the second half of 2023 or the first half of 2024. Yeah. The Fed confirmed this at the last FOMC meeting by saying, "Oh yeah, we're prepared to cut rates by 2024," suggesting that okay, the economic the economy is going to definitely slow down by then. So the so the Fed needs to pump up the economy. Therefore, when you slash interest rates, you have to also expand the money supply. That floods the economy. That creates more of this inflationary environment yet again. It, it then, also then, it also destroys the jobs market, doesn't it? Yeah. So the, the, so yeah. So here we go. So I, in one of my previous articles, I was talking about perhaps is 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 the jobs market showing signs of slowing down? There are some points suggesting that this the, that the sizzling job market is going to be doused by the Fed because it's raising interest rates. You see this in the in the initial jobless claims four week moving average, which removes the the week to week volatility. You saw. How how it's been climbing up steadily every week since the beginning of April. Uh, you look at the small uh, small business numbers. Small businesses are are, 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 are are trimming the fat. They're getting they're reducing their payrolls. A lot of large companies saying, you know, we're going to start scaling back. Coinbase, you know, Tesla, Twitter. A lot of them are are starting are starting to reduce their payroll. So, uh, and then Larry Summers, he said the other day, you know, speaking of him earlier, uh, he was saying to stop in order to stop a recession, you, millions of people are going to have to lose their jobs. And you know, and I guess in a way that is correct. Because because you know when you raise interest rates as much as the Fed is is, is anticipating, that's going to you know reduce business activity. That's going to re- reduce consumer credit growth. That's going to reduce the consumer consumption, and that's important because you know the economy is two thirds consumption, which I don't agree with. But that's that, let's very quickly just focus on what you just said there. Mm-hmm. To stop the recession, you need to destroy the job market. Mm-hmm. That's terrifying, Andrew. 
Well, yeah, well, but that's one of the reasons why that's one of the contributing factors of why inflation is so high because wage growth has soared, soared, even a lot of workers don't feel it because it's been negative. I mean, the other day I was reporting on the BLS data from uh, from May and I found that the real wage growth, if you ca- count, if you factor in the reduction of work week hours, is actually negative 0.39%. So, I mean, that that's that's terrifying when it comes to what Dua Summers is saying. Yeah, I mean, he is correct because, you know, this job market has been unsustainable and the you know job opening is sky high and you know the number of quits have have also soared these people are going to have to unfortunately lose their jobs if you want to calm down inflation and because the fed's not going to be able to do it i mean the fed the federal reserve has been so behind the curve that you know everything they do it's 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 inconsequential the inconsequential fed andrew moran thank you ever so much thank you for having me In just a moment, we'll be back with Dave Patterson to discuss wokeness in the United States military and whether a focus on pronouns makes for an effective fighting force. Don't touch that dial. For your freedom and your liberty, Liberty Nation with Mark Angelides. New documents unearthed by a Freedom of Information request by Judicial Watch reveal that CRT, critical race theory, is indeed alive and well in America's military, despite what the Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin says. Now, can a military alarmed by whiteness and in the thrall to pronouns really be an effective fighting force? Well, we're joined by defense expert and former Deputy Principal Undersecretary of Defense Controller, Dave Patterson, to figure out just that question. Great to have you back, Dave. Thank you, Mark. Happy to be with you. So, Dave, I think the public is highly concerned that members of the armed forces are being, as they see it, indoctrinated into a far left mindset. Now, is this the case or is it just hyperbole? Uh, It is the case. It's not hyperbole. I mean, when you get 600 plus documents from the Army uh, by way of uh, the Freedom of Information Act, um, it's it's a problem. I mean, it is a a significant sea state change from the kinds of a curriculum that we would anticipate coming from an elite military academy like West Point. Yeah, I mean, that's where the, the nation's new leaders are, are creating. I'd say that the main concern is that the, the military training system, it's very top down. So if the, if the higher ups want the lower orders to be uh, inculcated with this stuff, and then if if those people who are being trained in it, if they reject it or push back against it, they're not gonna get the promotions, which means that it's a a self-effectuating system. So only those who buy into and peddle this stuff uh, are going to be in charge for the next generation, at which point they'll keep putting the same uh, CRT curriculum down for training. Does that make sense? No, it doesn't make sense, but it's, you know, no, my point, but does my point make sense? <laughs> oh yeah. Your, your point makes eminently good sense. I mean, it's the lemming effect and you'll have that when uh, your country is not totally engaged in conflict before world war one, you had a bunch of general officers and uh, by year two in world war one, 60% of those general officers were replaced in world war two. It was closer to 80% of general officers who could not cut the mustard in terms of leadership were replaced. And you had real war fighters uh, in, in, in their place in today's modern warfare, you don't have that luxury of that much time. And so what we're faced with is we have a, a bunch of, uh, of general officers, flag officers, who are simply standing around saying, tell me what you want me to do. 
There was a study done in the Air Force not too long ago, <clears throat> which really identified visionaries, people who were mission-oriented, and you had implementers. So you had uh, visionaries, innovators, and implementers. Of the Air Force flag officers, you had one visionary, approximately 10% who were innovators, and the rest were implementers. In a war, you need to have the ratios uh, upside down. You need people who are visionaries. You need people who are innovators. And as wars progress, when there's enough time, those people rise and the others go by the wayside. Yeah, we've talked uh, sim on a similar topic to this before about the, the command structure or c command control, I believe it's called in, in America, where the, the people are capable of coming up with their own ideas within the command structure. Uh, and that makes a very effective fighting force. And uh, it, I think it was, it was first uh, brought about during the, the Weimar Republic, I believe that was uh, f first popularized. And then, of course, the, the American army uh, adopted that through World War II, and, and it's proven to be effective. But if you have, essentially what we're saying here is if you have sheep uh, on the bottom, um, you need a lot more wolves. <laughs> well, that's exactly right, Mark. I mean, and, and what we're doing, uh, it, it appears, is we are developing sheep mm. and, um, and purposefully doing that. And, and that's very troubling. Let's, um, th there's a four-minute Navy training video that was released during Pride Month. Uh, and I know you've seen this, um, but that talks about how and why correct pronoun usage is important. Now, let let's ignore that this should even be a thing for the military. But it, it strikes me that this was something made for four-year-olds. It was like a, a dumbed-down Mr. Rogers for the perennially woke. Um, how can the military justify producing this training, spending even a single cent of taxpayer money on this training, that, that's literally nothing more than childish pro-CRT propaganda. Well, let's hope that they don't know their audience, but there's a good possibility that they do. But the problem here is that you have a Navy who has a, an extraordinarily bad safety record for aviation in, in recent months. You have an Air Force that is rapidly approaching that. And what they have to worry about is pronouns, our pronouns and, and the correct usage. You have the most recently the collision with the USS Fitzgerald and the USS John Kane, McCain. I mean, these are destroyers who ran into huge cargo vessels. I mean, you know, the, it, this is ridiculous. They have greater problems than whether or not someone is offended by the use of a pronoun. And I think those of us who actually are sentient beings, we understand that men are he, him, not they, them, it. And females are she, her, and not with a, not with a slant between them. It reminds me, actually, of the, uh, the study that was done into airline safety. Uh, and 
I believe it was Korean Airlines. They had a terrible track record for, for safety. And part of that was cultural communication. Uh, and so what happened was airlines all over the world switched to English as their prime communicating language. Uh, and what happened was because they felt that they could address the people in situations despite cultural barriers that might exist because they could address freely and openly. The safety records improved uh, across the board. This was detailed very extensively in a, in, in a book, I believe it's Tipping Point. It's by the author of Tipping Point. What we're doing is we're confusing people in how to communicate rather than allowing them to communicate freely and openly, which leads to good decisions. It leads to sharp decisions. You can just imagine the, uh, on the USS uh, John, McCain, uh, John McCain with the, they're on the poop deck saying, excuse me, sir, ma'am, madam, sir, there, there's a boat coming. Uh, and things just get confusing for them. Now, uh, one final question, Dave, and I think it's the most important one. Does this kind of training and parroting of, of propaganda lines, does it help or hinder operational readiness? Oh, it hinders it. I mean, it is it, it, it becomes, uh, you know, the influx of total nonsense into a, uh, a very organized uh, and higher organized hierarchy of training and achieving readiness. And we're spending time with this nonsense. It, it diminishes readiness. There's no question about that. Actually, one follow up on that. Didn't uh, Secretary Austin assure us that such a thing wasn't happening? Oh, he absolutely did in a, about a year ago in a uh, uh, press conference and also in a uh, committee hearing. He said that this was not a priority and that they did not espouse this CRT. And yet today we have all these documents that say that uh, it's quite, quite a different circumstance. I think, Mark, that uh, if, if I might, I just leave you with a, a thought that uh, Bjorn Olsen, a uh, father of a Marine and a Marine himself, uh, left with Fox News. And that was, do you really want to be in a foxhole with someone you can't trust? And how can you trust someone who's sitting there worried about whether or not you've insulted them or that the foxhole is a safe place for pronouns? We don't need safe places. We need hostile places and people who know how to meet the hostility successfully. Dave Patterson, thank you ever so much. Thank you, Mark. And that's almost all that we have time for on today's edition of Liberty Nation Radio, right here on the Radio America Network. I'd like to take a special moment to thank our guests, Scott DiCosenza, Andrew Moran, and Dave Patterson. And of course, my sincerest thanks go out to you, the listeners, who take the time to join us here each weekend. We really, really appreciate you. Now, my parting shot for this week, consider, if you will, for a moment, how much angst and anger, fire and fury, these, these rulings, these Supreme Court rulings, these lies about gas prices and inflation, the woke indoctrination that suffices through the military and through schools and through the workplace, how much all of these things stir up the public. Yes, there's always been opposition parties with differing opinions on how best to run the country. But there was also a middle ground, and that's where electoral success was found. And the fact is that it's still to be found there. But the, the politicians, the lawmakers, uh, and those in almost every form of power seem hell-bent on pushing us to the extremes. Now, is it because popular opinion has moved to the edges? or that the Overton window, which is the, the measure of what's commonly acceptable in society, has that shifted? 
Well, it's likely not. What's more probable is that our laws and culture have been hijacked by those who don't want the plain old boring job of good governance or solid management. They want to tear down the system. And they say as much uh, in many cases, but a lack of moral courage keeps them from explicitly telling us how they want to rebuild the system. Now, this is not a, a left-right divide. This is an extremist divide. The institutions must fall. The once respected offices must be shaped into something unrecognizable. It's no coincidence that so many of the world leaders seem to share the same vision. What happens in one country on one side of the globe happens in another country on the other. Um, build back better it was it was a slogan uh, not only in america but also in canada in new zealand in the uk and in many other assorted european nations obviously in different languages it's not a joe biden platform it's a globalist platform that seeks to remake the world in a new image and let me tell you if these last six months are an indication of the brave new world it's not going to be a pretty place to live. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.